Let me pray one more time, and then we will uh, continue our, our gathering this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for being our God. Thank you for being worthy, as Lori reminded us and, and told us, and as the scriptures spoke about and as we've sung about. You are exalted overall, as we're going to sing in a few moments still. And, and But even as we pray, as we open the scriptures, God, just remind us right now of your majesty and glory and honor. And yet, you're not far off and, and impersonal. Because of the Lord Jesus, now we, we can come and draw near as we long to do. And I pray that this time would, would be just that, that we would be changed because we've been together as a church family, because we've prayed and we've sung and we've heard the scriptures, because we've fellowship, had fellowship with one another. We pray for the kids up the hill, bless their morning today as well. And again, would you be the one that is made much of today in our thoughts and our words? And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And happy Father's Day to all the dads as well. Hope you have had a nice morning or will have a nice day and uh, ahead as well. So uh, I say, dads, treat Father's Day like Father's Week. Like just, just, just to ask your family. What, if they say, what do you want to do? Just say, I want, to, I want every, something every day this week. And see if they can honor that. All right. Well, Tom Hanks, the famous actor, uh, he famously told us when he played that, that infamous role of Forrest Gump many years ago, that life is like a box of chocolates. And now someone finished the line. You never know, never what, know what you're going to get. So we get the point of that, I think. And I don't know who wrote that line, and it doesn't matter, but, but it makes a point, at least and it makes a valid point. Life is filled with unknowns. And just like when you get a box of chocolates, unless you've over the years memorized what form of chocolate is what flavor chocolate, uh, or if, unless you have that box that has the little map, right? You, you don't know. You don't know if you're going to get a nut chew when you bite into that chocolate or one of those horrible fruit-filled ones. <laughs> okay, that's right. So it's an analogy for life. We aren't sure. There's only one person who knows every moment of all things, and it's not us. We don't know what we're going to get. So there's truth to that analogy. But this morning, I want us to think of a different analogy for life uh, than a box of chocolates. And again, it's, it's a fine analogy, but we're going to shift gears to a different analogy, one we find in God's word. And specifically, it's an analogy for those that are followers of Jesus. Now, I should say the analogy holds true for everyone, but, but especially the way it's conveyed in the scriptures is that this is an analogy for those of us that are followers of Jesus, that have been saved by him and changed by him and we're being sanctified by him. And it's an athletic analogy. And specifically, it's the analogy of running a race. So if you have a Bible, please open to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm just going to read verses 1 through 3 this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand 
of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is the word of the Lord. The writer to the Hebrews, and we don't know who that writer is, lots of speculation, lots of guessing, and it's educated guessing, but even so, it is just that. We don't know who wrote it, but it's an amazing letter, and another letter worthy of your study, a little bit more, uh, got some depth to it compared to Titus. The, The writer calls us to run with endurance, a race set before us, and there's the analogy. Our life is that of this long-distance marathon race. Our life is represented as this marathon race to be run with endurance. Now, it's interesting because the context makes it clear in this imagery of an ancient race. You could kind of imagine like the Olympics, but again, go back a couple thousand years into antiquity. Um, But the word where it says run with endurance, so there's the running, and the cloud of witnesses speaks of like a coliseum of, of fans, okay? So the imagery is all there, but the actual word race that the ESV translate uh, here, it, it can also mean a fight or a struggle or a conflict. And I have to tell you, that makes me happy because I hate running. <laughs> to me, running is a fight, a conflict, a struggle. Can I get an amen from someone? Amen. Now, how about those of you that love to run? You can just raise your hands, okay? One of you in our, that's two of you. Okay. Um, I have always liked sprinting. And as a football player a long time ago, the farthest you ever have to sprint in football is 100 yards. And that's like very rare. But to to run with endurance in a long marathon is a fight, is a conflict, is a struggle. So whether or not you love to run or you hate it like I do, we, we can at least hopefully appreciate this this truth. We are to to run with endurance, the conflict, the fight, the struggle. And it is a word that can, again, and is translated here, race, that is set before us. But we're to do it with endurance. Now, we don't have a big screen out here at the Grove, but if you if you got your e-news on Friday, you hopefully saw the graphic, or if you scanned your bulletin this morning or you have it up, you hopefully saw this graphic of a runner. And, and, and runner is the name of our sermon series this summer. And I get the privilege of kicking it off today. And so over the next 10 weeks, you're going to hear from various speakers on all sorts of topics, various things that God lays on their hearts. But the overarching theme is this call, no matter what they bring, that we are we are on on, in a race and it's a race to be run with endurance. It's this this marathon. It's not a sprint as much as some of us would like it to be. But from the time God saves you until he either returns or until we pass and die and and go to be with him, we, we are in this this race at least again that's one of the metaphors not just here in hebrews but elsewhere we we are given the christian life is this marathon race another way of putting it as a famous book title describes it eugene peterson the author of the message translation and many books he has a book called a long obedience in the same direction that's another way to think of running a race a long obedience it's it's not a short little quick thing. It's this long obedience. And so runner is this sort of generic theme that that you'll be hearing different people speak about. And in fact, over the next 10 weeks, today is my last Sunday here, and I'll be wrapping things up this week. And if you you want to meet, 
let me know. I'd love to hang out. But, but then uh, after this week, you won't see me until September. At least that's the plan. Uh, unless, you know, providentially, we run into one another at coffee shops and places. And that's all good and fine. But, but I'm entering into the season of sabbatical. And so here on Sundays, though, uh, our own Dwayne McFeeters is going to speak a couple of times. And Roger is going to, Farrell's going to speak a couple of times. So they're no strangers to us. Neil Brower, our Western District Superintendent, he'll be here actually next Sunday and July 4. He's going to kick off the 10 weeks and speak to the church. And then some friends of mine, some you know, Philip Pattison from Foster the Bay. He was here last fall. He'll be coming back to preach as well. Adam Peacock, who's a local guy, former pastor, and he now runs a ministry called Feathervine, which seeks to connect the church and God's people with the community and, and the churches with one another. Uh, he's been instrumental in doing some great things in our, in our county, especially after the Tubbs fire and then in this last year of the pandemic. So Adam's going to come. And then Andre Robinson, who preached at Soma a couple of years ago, uh, he's from the East Bay. He'll be coming up to speak. And then a new friend uh, to you, uh, his name is Joey Chen. Joey pastors a congregation called Sunset Church in the Outer Sunset in San Francisco. He'll be coming as well. He and I work together with the Gospel Coalition, North Bay. And so uh, some new friends to you, but old friends of mine, along with our own people, they are going to speak under this theme uh, of, of runner and this, this running a race set before us over these 10 weeks. Now, I shared last week briefly that the focus for me on my sabbatical is simply rest and renewal. And this rest and this renewal that I'm going to be seeking from the Lord and praying for, I would invite you and ask you, uh, pray that would it would be the case for me. It's also what I'm praying for and, and wanting for you. And it's interesting, right? Because right now I'm... I'm saying, okay, sabbatical is rest and renewal, and I want the church to find rest and renewal, but we're going to talk about running a race. <laughs> so, so how do we, we wrestle with this, this tension? Well, the rest and renewal I'm looking for, and, and I want you to have to, it's not exclusively a sit in your recliner and have your feet up kind of rest and renewal. There's a place for that, and that's a good kind of rest to enjoy, but not, not completely. We're not called to that. And, and we have come to enter a rest. In fact, that's what the book of Hebrews is all about. That, that Jesus is superior to the old covenant. Jesus is superior to the prophets. He's superior to angels. Um, and, and we have entered into a rest if we've come to know him. And so Hebrews unpacks this theme so that even in a restful place, having our sins dealt with and, and, and being at that place of rest before God, we're still in this race to be run, and it's a race to be run with endurance. So we're going to today unpack this just a little bit more. Now, these verses I read, they're not new to probably to most of you. I love how New Testament scholar Michael Kruger puts this. Uh, again, so simple and so articulate. He says this, we are not told, here in Rome, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 and 3, we are not told to walk through the Christian life, we are not told to meander or stroll along. We are told to run. We are told to be energetic, and it involves perseverance or endurance. P ponder that for a moment. The Christian life, this race that is set before us, this, this conflict 
The word to run with endurance isn't a stroll, isn't a walk, isn't a meander. It's this energetic, steady thing. And so some of you, again, some of you raise your hands. You, you've done those 5Ks or bigger marathon, half marathon kinds of runs. And, and if you haven't, we could all just, common sense tells us, like, like if I tried right now to go out and run even a 5K, I wouldn't probably get beyond the mailboxes at the end of the easement. I'm not in shape for that. Um, there, there's a place for training and discipline and being prepared. And it's, it's, it's a process. So keep that in mind as you hear this, this metaphor of this race. Again, it's not a sprint and just go. It's meant to be run with endurance and, and it takes time. Kruger goes on and I think he's spot on. And he says that according to the writer of the Hebrews here, if we're going to run this race with endurance, if we're going to see the Christian life as this marathon, then there's three things that we need. And, and here they are. Again, this is Michael Kruger's summary of what is contained in these verses. And I'm going to borrow them as an outline this morning. The first thing we need is fans cheering us on. The second thing, freedom from entanglements. And the third thing, a finish line in our sights. We need fans cheering us on. We need freedom from entanglements. And we need finish line in our sights. If we're going to run with endurance the race set before us. We need those things. Um, the writer to the Hebrews was telling those original recipients of these things, and this is for us today as well. So join me as, as we consider these things. Number one, then, the first thing we need, according to Hebrews 12, one, if we're going to run the Christian life, this race with endurance, we need fans cheering us on. So look at the first part of Hebrews 12, one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So Hebrews 12 obviously follows Hebrews 11. And if you know your Bible and you know Hebrews, Hebrews 11 is in fact where that great cloud of witnesses is talked about. Often Hebrews 11 is called the hall of faith or the heroes of the faith. And Hebrews 11 mentions a lot of Old Testament saints. You have people like Abel and Enoch and Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Rahab, just to name some of those Old Testament saints that are mentioned. And, and their, their stories, to a point, are, are talked about in chapter 11. And at the end of that chapter, then, as, as the writer continues, he says, therefore. So, so because of all these that have gone before you, okay, he says, since all of them now act as this great cloud of witnesses. So again, now the, this imagery comes out. Think of a huge arena where possibly, you know, if you're a runner and I'm a runner and we're entering into, uh, you know, the Los Angeles Coliseum or something like it, all these cloud of witnesses surround us, okay? And so there's these fans cheering us on. But, but it's interesting because as much as that is the analogy being put here, I don't believe the fans are there looking down saying, Atta boy, Paul, you, you can do it. I don't think Abraham's, you know, figuratively in heaven or in this, this cloud of witnesses in this makeshift coliseum looking down at me. In fact, as much as they're there as fans, this great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, they're there more for us. So, so as we come into this race, this arena to run, we get to look up, so to speak. We, we get to think of these names that, that the writer of the Hebrews mentioned. 
and, and see that, oh, they did it. They ran the race. They, they finished. But even then, really, the picture is not quite done yet because it's not so much that we look to them as our example. No, we are looking to the God that they look to, the God who saw to it to see them finish the race. Because, in fact, we could just take any of the names I mentioned. Noah, yes, great Noah, right? He, he obeyed God and built this ark. But let's, especially parents, right? When we read those stories to the kids, we get such a nice, clean version of Noah's life. You typically don't get the last part of Noah's life in the kids' Bibles, right? So, so all of the Old Testament saints, they, they are saints in the sense that we are called saints in the New Testament, people that have been made holy because of Christ. They weren't perfect. They had flaws. They, they're not heroes for us to look to. But they finished a race because their God, our God, he was faithful and he saw to it that they finish the race. And so these fans that we need cheering us on, well, we, we look and we say, wow, if God can be faithful in their life, then, then he can be faithful in my life. One writer summarizes like this. As a cloud of witnesses, they, the saints of chapter 11, they bear witness to God's faithfulness for us. As such, they offer great encouragement to all Christians that are struggling to endure in the faith. So again, back to the race analogy. If the Christian life is one of struggle, is one of struggling to endure, struggling to believe, struggling to trust, maybe because of a period of pain or, or a period of, of doubt or whatever it may be. We, we need fans cheering us on. But these fans from the past, and not just, I believe, the application isn't just those there in, in chapter 11. I believe people from church history, people, people that have done the Christian life, and I think there's an application to one another we need one another. We need people that, that can say, keep running because God is faithful. And those that have died and made it, they're a testimony that, that God is faithful. And he saw to it that they finished and he will see to it that we finish the race. Since we're surrounded by so many in this cloud of witnesses, these fans cheering us on, right? We're, we're looking to the God who's faithful. So again, if you struggle on your faith and your relationship with Jesus, in this Christian life, this, this race set before you, you're not alone. Every follower of Jesus that has gone before you is there as a testimony, as a witness to God and his faithfulness. In that sense, they're cheering us on. In that sense, they're reminding us that God has been faithful and God will be faithful. And we need those fans in our life. And we need them this summer. We need them this summer, but we need them into... The season beyond the summer is well. And as I mentioned, um, if I were to try to run even a 5K, I would fall and pass out pretty quickly. Um, and I'm not training for a marathon. Most of you know what I'm doing actually is, is tra training to get the range of motion back in my arm. So six weeks ago, I had my surgery. This past Monday, I went in and the doctor said, no more sling. You, you need to get that range of motion back. And he said, you need to start physical therapy this week. And so I did. I've had two sessions plus the work I do at home. And, and the doctor was sure to tell the physical therapists that my rehab needs to have aggressive range of motion therapy. And the physical therapist laughed when he read that. 
And he said, we love it when surgeons write aggressive range of motion work. And uh, so, so my good arm, it, it can go to about here. Um, my arm that's healing, I can get it to about there on my own. And then with help, I can get it a little farther. Well, on Tuesday, my physical therapist had that arm back here. And I was screaming and I told him, I'm a screamer. And he said, that's fine, just don't hit me. And, I, and he said, I said, I'm not a hitter, but I will scream. And, and I was, and I was contorting on, on the table. It hurt, it really did hurt. And he said, I promise, I'm not doing anything that's gonna damage your surgery, uh, but, but it hurt, it hurt. So that's my training these days. And, and in a weird sense, I'm, I'm kind of glad I have that therapist doing that. I'm glad in, in some ways he's a witness. I, I don't know if he's had surgery, but, but he knows what needs to be done. Because it would, if it was just left up to me, I wouldn't do that to myself, <laughs> okay? I, I'm not gonna make myself hurt. Some of you might be able to make yourselves hurt, but no, I, I want comfort. Uh, and, and so I'll, I'll do a little bit of stuff, but, but, but even, even the stuff I'm supposed to do on my own, like it's hard to push myself to that line where it's supposed to hurt, therapy hurt, you know, and it's a whole weird thing. Talk to me afterwards if you've been there. But that, that therapist knows, and so they're an encouragement to me. So whether it's a race, whether it's physical rehab, or any other athletic imagery, we, we get the idea. We need other people that can tell us to keep pressing on. And in this analogy here, the, 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 the cloud of witnesses, be it the Old Testament saints, the, the cloud of witnesses, be it people from church history. And again, if, if you aren't in the habit of reading or listening to biographies of, of Christians through the history. Oh, you should. Such an encouragement to learn of God's faithfulness in their lives. We, we have those fans cheering us on. And that's one thing we need if we're to run with endurance the race set before us. But there's a second thing we need as well. Not only do we need fans cheering us on, but the writer says the second thing we need if we're going to run with endurance the race set before us is freedom from entanglements. So look with me again at verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So in the first part of verse one, he talks about fans cheering us on, but then the second part is about freedom from entanglements. Notice he says, and there's kind of two types of entanglements. He says, lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely. So there's two types of entanglements the author has in mind for us. So the first one, every weight, it can also be translated as every hindrance, anything that hinders or gets in the way. The ancient runners, um, kind of like today, runners wouldn't, wear anything like what I'm wearing, right? No, they would wear very loose-fitting shorts, a very form-fitted tank top, uh, shoes that barely weigh anything. I mean, next to nothing. They don't want anything that would hinder them from running. And of course, in antiquity, uh, they wore robes that would drape down, and so they would they would remove that outer garment. And in, in fact, some scholars tell us that in the ancient Olympic Games and others, the, the runners who were at that time men, they wore nothing. In fact, uh, they didn't have the kind of cool technical fabrics that we have these days, but we get the idea and we get the idea. 
If we're to run a race, we have to throw off a, a weight or an entanglement. And, and for runners in athletic contests, that could be anything from uh, any kind of mass on their body, even body fat, right? Runners would, would want to strip down from any weight, any hindrance that might get in the way. We could also think of other athletic contests. Let's, let's leave running for a moment. Uh, I have a swimmer in my family, and, um, and, and when, when she swims, she doesn't wear, you know, street clothes, uh, in fact. And when she's training and when she's competing, in fact, uh, the suits that they wear, they, they look like there's no way they would fit on them, but, but they expand and they stretch and they wear caps that keep the hair in, and, and they're as streamlined as can be. You, you don't want extra things on you when you're in the pool trying to compete in a race. But here, back to the analogy of, of running, the author says, remove any, any kind of weight. But then he also says, lay, all, lay aside also sin, which clings so closely. So we're, we're setting up here, or the writer is rather, this contrast. You see, weights, again, the, the metaphor that we're to throw off in the, the Christian life, th those don't have to be bad things. Maybe... It's too much of some form of entertainment in, in your life as far as uh, a hindrance or a weight that needs to be tangled. Maybe there's too much Disney Plus and Netflix and Amazon Prime and HBO Max and whatever other streaming platforms we all are blessed by. Maybe there's just too much of that or too much time in front of our devices. And uh, I know Pastor uh, Brett or someone not too long ago, or I think it was one of our worship leaders, made a joke about with the e-bulletin, now we're encouraging you in church to have your phone, right? When probably we ought to use our phones and things less, but, but maybe that's the hindrance. Maybe that's a weight. Just really think about time. We're all given the same amount of time. And the way we use or don't use our time might just be the biggest hindrance to our race that we're running. And they're not bad things necessarily, but, but might they be hindrances to this race but there is the second type of thing to be thrown aside and the writer says sin which clings so closely or or ensnares entangles so none of us are perfectly holy right none of us are perfectly obedient none of us we are being sanctified we are made, being made more like jesus but the implied question is is there sin in your life that is entangling you? Is there sin in your life that is going unrepentant? Sin in your life that you're not fighting through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, right? Their famous hymn line says that he breaks the power of canceled sin in our lives. So Jesus' work on the cross has, has done and has defeated the, the power of sin in our life. It no longer has power in us. And now... As we then try to live obediently, he breaks that power. So our, our fight against sin, our mortifying the, the flesh, as the ancient writers would speak of, is to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. But again, it takes effort. Is there sin that is unconfessed in your life that you're not dealing with, that you're just letting ensnare you and entangle you? Again, here's the point. There's many things in our lives that can in fact be a weight and we need freedom from these entanglements some things aren't bad in and of themselves they're just 
They're just hindrances. They're just weights. And yet some things in our life are sinful things. And what I want to do just briefly is give you a moment to talk to the Lord about that. I don't, I don't want to just say, think about this later today and, and have some time alone with the Lord today. I think this is a moment really where I want us each to just pray, Heavenly Father, what, what is in my life that, that I need to be free from that, that's entangling me? Is there the, a weight or a hindrance um, that's not a bad thing in and of itself, but it gets in the way of my race? And Father, are there any sins that I'm, I'm not confessing, that I'm holding on to and, and, and do business with them? So just quietly, just pray for a moment. Ask God to reveal to you what in your life is a weight hindering your race? What sin in your life, if there is any, do you need to repent of? And, and I'll, I'll just wrap us up with this prayer time in just a moment. Father, help us take your word seriously. And we need, we need freedom from entanglements. And may we be obedient right now to whatever you are saying to us. Whatever it is that is, whatever it is that, that is in our life as a, as a weight, whatever it is in our life that is a sin, may we just do business with you by, by your spirit that indwells us and experience freedom from entanglements because we want to run this race. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we are to run with endurance, the race set before us, we need fans cheering us on, number one. We need freedom from entanglements, but there's still one more thing. We need a finish line in our sights. So that's the third thing we see here. Look down at verses two and three. The writer says, looking to Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, some translations say the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I love this one so much. It's great to have fans. I was a athlete again a football player many years ago and it was great when when fans cheered um that's important it's great to have freedom from entanglements absolutely in whatever athletic contest you're in you you want to be dressed appropriately but i love this we need this we need and we have a finish line and it's none other than the lord jesus now again whether or not you're a runner uh, and, and compete in running. It's a general principle of running that you keep your eyes fixed on the, the finish line, okay? Uh, no, no runner that's being trained to run is supposed to look around to see if anyone's catching them. And I remember that in football too. They, they taught us when you get the ball, just run for the end zone. Don't worry if a person's coming on you. If, as soon as you turn to look, you're slowing yourself down. So uh, we, we kind of get that. It's an obvious idea. And our finish line church is none other than the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, this word founder, it can also be translated as author or originator or pioneer. And, and the idea is Jesus is the one who has, in fact, carved out the path 
in which we walk. This is how one writer puts it. He has run the race for us so that we might follow in his footsteps. Therefore, he can rightly be considered the perfecter of our faith. He brings it to completion. And the upshot of using this language is that it is clear that we do not run the race in our own strength. We are in the race only because Jesus has entered us in the race by his grace. He will sustain us by that same grace until we finish. So don't miss that. This is not a, I got to run to make Jesus happy with me kind of race. This is a race that the founder, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith has already run. He has perfectly lived the life that we're called to live but can't live. And then he went to the cross to absorb the wrath of God that we deserve to pay one day. He has done it. He has done the race. And now he has received his reward. It says that he is at the right hand of the throne of God. So he won the race and perfected the race. And he now, in this analogy, is our finish line. He is the one we, we keep our eyes on. Now, there's several different things that are spoken about here to note just briefly. It says that Jesus endured the cross. Running a race can be hard work, literally, and running the race of the Christian life can also be difficult. But crucifixion, the cross that Jesus endured, think about this for a minute. What, what that did, it put criminals uh, on display, not only to face an excruciating, that's where the word comes from, from crucifixion, you know, form of, of death, but it was also about public humiliation and shame. They, they were put out publicly to be mocked and ridiculed and so that others would think, we're, we don't want to experience that. Well, it says that Jesus endured this cross and he despised the shame. In other words, he, ca he counted the shameful act as nothing because of his purpose to finish the race that he was called to run. It goes on to say it was for the joy set before him that he endured this, this cross, this crucifixion, and despised the shame. For the joy set before him. Joy? What was that joy? Well, the joy is the fact that by him doing what God had called him to do, and remember the words from the cross, it is finished. What, what was finished? It was finished him saving a people for himself, bringing us into a relationship, not just so that we could have the benefits of salvation, but so that we could be a people for his own possession. That was part of the joy that was set before him. The joy of you and me being with him as his people forever. The joy of saying, it is finished, Father. I have completed the work you called me to. Michael Kruger who I'm, again, stealing these, borrowing these three outline points from, he says this, there is a paradox here. Having a hard race does not mean you cannot have joy. We tend to wish that we had an easier race so that we could be happier. But in the Christian life, pain and joy often go together. In the midst of very deep struggle, pain and suffering, you still find joy. Most of us want our trials and challenges to go away. We think that if we could just get rid of the hard parts of life, then joy would be ours. But that is not how it works. For Christ, joy was the result of pain. And it is true for us as well. The hard things we endure bring joy on the other side. And if you've been a Christian for probably longer than a week, 
you know that is the case. If anyone ever told you that being a Christian was easy, they were, they were wrong. They were wrong. But we have a finish line to keep our eyes on. And that finish line is Jesus himself. And he ran the race. He endured the cross, despising the shame, all for the joy set before him. He pioneered and perfected this, this race. And the author goes on in verse 3 to say, Consider him. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In this race you're running, you're going to be tempted to grow weary and faint-hearted. But consider him. Consider him. Jesus is the finish line that is to be in our sights. You see, it's all about him. The Christian life has always been all about him. We, we are running and, and he is our prize. He is the one we keep our eyes on. But he's the one who's done it already himself. And he is the ultimate witness fan cheering us on. And we get to keep our eyes on him. Again, are you keeping your eyes on him in this race? Or are your eyes more on yourself or other people? Our eyes are to be fixed on Jesus. The Christian life is about Jesus. Paul even said in Galatians 2.20, and this is a verse a lot of you know, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The finish line is Jesus, and yet he is the one living in us as we run this race. He hasn't left us. He's in us. Keep, keep your eyes on him. We are runners running a race set before us. That's the analogy here in Hebrews. It's elsewhere in the New Testament. And this summer, church, may all of us run this race with endurance. We need these same three things as the Hebrews heard. We need fans and we have them. We need freedom from entanglements and we have to throw those things off. And we need that finish line in our sights and we have them, the Lord Jesus. That's what I'm leaning into over the next 10 weeks on my sabbatical. And by God's grace, I will rest and be renewed. And I will kick my feet up once in a while in a recliner. But I'm praying that you too, as you run the race this summer and as a church, as you gather on Sundays to sing and to hear the word and to pray, and as you do other things together, things that get planned, things that are spontaneous, may, may we heed this word that we're to run a race and we're to take care of observing the fans that are reminding us of God's faithfulness. We're to be free from entanglements and we need this finish line of the Lord Jesus himself. Let's pray and then we're going to sing a couple more songs that, that will now help us express in some words these, these very truths. So join me in prayer as Lori and Dan and Mary Blakely come forward. Father, I do thank you for the race set before us. And God, I have known seasons where the Christian life race has been very difficult. I've known seasons when the Christian life race has seemed easy. And I'm sure everyone here today could say the same thing and everything in between. But the reality is it is a race. It's a race to be run with endurance. So thank you that your word tells us what we need. May we obey. Ultimately, though, we thank you for the finish line, none other than the Lord Jesus, whose eyes were to keep fixed on. The pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross.
despising the shame and has now been seated at your right hand, Father, where one day he'll come back from. We look forward to that and we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. And until then, we will run with endurance. Help us in Jesus' name.